Hello, friends. My name is Amanda Louise. You can call me the caffeinated empath. And I'm coming at you from Langley, British Columbia, Canada. And today I'm going to discuss just who I am and, and kind of where I came from and where I'm going. Now, uh, this is my very first podcast. So welcome and thank you for tuning in with me. If at any point um, this information is of value or you just want somebody else to hear it, um, please share it out. You can screenshot and save it in your Instagram stories. Uh, tag me at amanda.louise.langwa and um, I'll be sure to uh, shout you out. would love that. Okay, so who I am. I am a gal from Alberta, Canada, in a very small town. The town was so small, it was actually a motel village when I had moved out of there back in 2001. I was in just finishing grade 7, and we moved to BC because my mom got remarried. Now, uh, this was a very big move because... The town we moved to was uh, very large <laughs> compared to what I was used to. So it was exciting. And I made lots of friends, which was crazy because where I was from, I didn't have a lot of friends. I was actually bullied growing up. Uh, I had personal family bully me. Um, it just wasn't, wasn't really good experience for me in elementary school. So when we moved out here and I went to high school, it, everything changed. My schooling was better. I was getting taught better. I actually grew up with a learning disability and reading disability. I almost went into high school, guys, without being able to read. Like, I was going into grade five and my mom <laughs> was talking to the teacher and the teacher's like, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Langlois, she... Uh, she can't read. And my mom's like, I know. I've been saying this for the past six years. She can't read, but nobody's listening. So anyhow, I go into grade five and I have to go to resource class to learn how to read. And grade seven was high school. So put a lot of pressure on me. Um, and I did struggle in school, obviously, because I couldn't read well. So I couldn't comprehend the questions. Tests sucked so bad for me. And I remember grade seven. I was in this class and we had a test, guys, on how to study. What teacher gives this test? Only mine, I think. Okay, now I just said I had a reading disability comprehension issue. And so if you can't read well to study, how are you going to study a test on studying just didn't make any sense to me guess what I took that test seven times I am not even kidding you guys seven fucking times <laughs> that last time I actually cheated on my test because I struggled I didn't know and nobody nobody was offering to help me they could clearly see I was not getting the information Anywho, the teacher didn't even, he didn't even look at it that seventh time. So wasted my time. 
But anyhow, we move out to BC and I go to school and I gain friends and some confidence and the teachers actually started teaching in a way that I could understand and I actually was getting honors, which was really crazy. And then grade nine happened, was doing getting honors and then I got into a bad crowd. So I had a bad couple of months where I was like super, super bad, 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 grounded, bad. And then I got over it. Only, only took me a couple of months. I decided I, I didn't want to be bad no more, guys. So I went through, went through high school. I did very well. Uh, I did struggle, obviously, just because when you have a, a learning disability, it, it normally sticks with you and you just have to keep practicing. So I graduated high school actually early. And, um, and then I decided to work for a bit and then I went to post-secondary school to become a medical office assistant. Now I only did this because my mother-in-law at the time told me that I should probably get a job so I can type from home when I decide to have children. I said, yeah, that's probably, you're probably right. I, I wasn't even thinking of children at that time. I was only 18, I think, maybe 19. And, uh, you know, an adult was giving me some opinions, so I went with it. So I decided to become a off- medical office assistant. Got my diplomas with that and administrative assistant. I took two diplomas so that I could work anywhere I wanted. And then I didn't go get a job in that field. (laughs) I decided to continue waitressing because I was making really good money. So why not continue that? And then somebody tells me, you got to go get a real career, make the real money. Oh, okay. I'll go, I'll go make the real money in the real career. So I got a job at a clinic. They paid me $11 an hour. I said, Oh, real money at a real career. eh?" Uh, this person who mentioned this to me didn't realize how much money I was making as a waitress until years later. And then they questioned why I ever left it. I was like, oh, because you said I had to get a real career. Anywho, so I worked my way through this clinic. I uh, started there and then it was a few months later, we had a second doctor show up. Him and I got along really well. And he offered me another position at his clinic because he was just a a substitute at this one that I was working at. So I said, sure. So I was working two jobs, one morning job, one night job. It was going well. Then um, the the second job was like, well, we want you full time. I said, well, unfortunately, I didn't start this job to quit my other one. I like my other one, too. So one Friday... The boss pulls me aside. He says, I got some good news and bad news. I said, okay. Um, bad news? <laughs> I was like, I figured bad news would be probably better off to, to get over with. He's like, it's your last day. Well, holy guys, my, my heart was broken. I just sunk. I, I was like, what did I do? They were telling me I was doing so good. He's like, we like you. It's just we need somebody here full time and you're not able to fulfill that. I said, okay, fair enough. He's like, but good news is this other doctor is a specialist in town here. Uh, 
he's looking for somebody and he wants to see you today at lunchtime. I was like, oh, okay, so this doctor had already set me up an interview. He told this other doctor all the stuff that I could do. I'm like, I don't know how to do any of that. I'm still pretty new in this field, guys. Like, I was only in this field for about, oh, a year and a half. And, <laughs> sorry, I was a year. I was in it for a year. And he's like, you will do fine. So anyhow, I go over to this doctor's office and I walk in and, uh, the girl that I was re- going to be replacing was ironically the girl that left the other clinic that I was just being terminated from, which was ironic. Anywho, uh, had an interview with the doctor. He says, you start Monday. So I was like, oh, great. Never worked for a specialist before, so this was going to be interesting. So at this office, this was really exciting for me because I'm a very organized, scheduled person And this office was a disaster, guys. Like, just complete disaster. There was piles of charts everywhere. And nobody knew what the piles were for. So I made it my job to to clean it up. And it was, that was exciting for me. I know I'm a nerd, but it was exhilarating. And then, a little bit into it, I asked the doctor. I was like, well, how many uh, patients can we see a day? He's like, well, as many as as we want or as we can fit in. I was like, oh, okay. So when I started there, we saw three, maybe five patients a day. And then I would go to a clinic at nighttime where we saw like hundreds. (laughs) It was a huge difference. (laughs) So this uh, specialist I worked for, fortunately and unfortunately for him, I was a very organized person. I made it so he had everything he needed to go over with the patient in his hand when he called the patient in. So we got so efficient with patients that we actually ran out of patients to see. He actually came up to me. He's like, what am I doing tomorrow? I said, you have the day off. He's like, what do you mean I have the day off? I said, we are all our patients. He's like, well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so... We ended up going from seeing five patients a day to up to 30. It got to the point that um, the doctor did get audited after I had uh, left his office just because he was making some good darn money. And that was just because I had set him up so good that uh, the other specialists aren't keeping up. Like there's uh, the other specialist in town here that I, I live in. Her wait list is two years. And I think she sees eight patients a day. We were seeing up to 30. And it also helped because I did the breathing test with the patients. So I worked for a lung specialist, if I didn't mention that. So I'd do the breathing test with the patient. And then the doctor would have the results. So he could read right away what kind of lung issue you were having. And we could start treating patients faster. Instead of waiting three to six to nine months for a patient to get into the hospital for a test, we were having it that same day. So we were speeding up this process a lot. And then because of this, a patient didn't have to come in for a consult, then wait three, six, nine months for a test, and then wait another three months or so to come in for the results. So I sped up a year process within a day. So, and we were seeing, like I said, up to 30 patients a day, depending what what the issues were. Some some days were a little bit less 
if they were more complicated cases. But So, for me, my goal was to get people in right away. These people are sick. You can't breathe. Do you think you can wait two years to see a doctor? To maybe get a puffer? That's ridiculous. But unfortunately, that's kind of our system here. And uh, we just, unfortunately, have to roll with the punches. And hope that you have people in that clinic, at your doctor's office, who care enough to actually get some shit done. This drove me crazy working at the clinic and phoning other clinics. And these people didn't care about their jobs. They were literally just going in there for their paycheck. I went to work because I actually cared about people. Like, I would get so attached to these people. I would see them, some of them, every three months. And I would do breathing tests on them. And they would tell me their life stories. And, like, these people were almost like friends because I saw them so much. And when it got to a point that they were so sick that I knew I wasn't going to see them again. It broke my heart. I'm still sad about it. And I don't even work in that field anymore. I remember one day. Sorry, I'm going to cry, guys. <laughs> I remember one day driving to work. And I just remembered one of my patients. And I said, don't worry. You'll get better. He said, no, I won't. I didn't realize what his diagnosis was until after. And the doctor had come out that one day and he's like, please type up this letter and send it to his doctor. And he needed to be prescribed palliative morphine, which I knew that meant he wasn't going to get out of bed. And I cared for this patient a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> this one's hard. Anyhow, so I'm driving to work one day, and I think of this patient, and I just start crying on my way to work. I'm just bawling. I'm crying so much that I get to work, I'm still crying. And then the boss comes in, he's like, oh gosh, who died now? Because I was so sensitive. Anytime somebody passed, I would cry. And I said, he didn't die yet, but he's dying. And then he gave me a hug because he just knew I cared for the patients so much. So it really bothered me that I would phone other offices and these medical office assistants would not give a shit about their job. You have, you're, you're dealing with people's lives. I had practicum students. This one girl, like seriously, she she would not friggin' pay attention to what she was doing. And I had to yell at her one day. I'm like, you have people's lives in your hands, technically. Like, you got to get their stuff right. Like, there is no excuses. So it got to a point that this job was really taxing on my emotions. I am an empath. Hence the name, caffeinated empath. And... It was just, every day was just getting so hard because I couldn't rejuvenate and I would just be so sad all the time for all these people. I worked at a surgeon's office. I remember this one day. This patient had esophageal cancer. And I booked him all the tests that I was supposed to book and then the doctor said, unfortunately, you have to move those tests. 
I think it was two weeks down, just because if anybody ever has gone through this, when you have cancer and you have a PET scan, a PET scan doesn't know the difference between inflammation and cancer. So when a patient has chemo and radiation, they get inflammation. So you have to book the appointment far enough away that the inflammation isn't showing. Um, and then just the cancer, if the cancer is spread or not. So anyhow, I had to move these appointments and I had to phone this patient and tell him. Well, he went off the deep end on me. He screamed at me. He told me that I did not care that he was dying. And this just hurt because I was like, you have no idea how much I care. Got to the point, I actually had to hang up the phone on him because he was screaming at me so much. And then I had to go ugly cry in the bathroom. (laughs) Well, I decided after that, I was like, I can't do this anymore. This is just too hard. And I don't know how to cope with it. Like, I care for these people so much, and everybody's so sick and angry, and I can't, I can't fix them. Like, my best isn't good enough. So I had to leave there. <laughs> and then I got a job at this sleep apnea clinic. I was thinking this was going to be a little bit better, because people, yeah, they have sicknesses, and comorbidities but we're diagnosing with sleep apnea or not like it shouldn't be that that difficult so I get a job at this office and the first day I walk in this office I knew I had a feeling I was like this is gonna be a disaster unfortunately the people that I was matched up with we did not have the same work ethic and I happened to be doing everything like I was watching the other people sit there and chit-chat. The girl that I was partnered up with at the front desk, I'm like, what are you doing? You took eight hours to fill out, put some names on some charts. Like, it was ridiculous. I went to HR, and I'm like, can you please explain to me what everybody's jobs are? They're like, don't worry about everybody else. I was like, well, I feel like I'm the only one doing stuff. You know what that HR lady told me? She's like, Amanda... You were hired to get shit done. (laughs) I was like mind blown that she even said this to me. I was like, I'm very well aware that I was hired to get shit done and I'm getting shit done. But I can't be yelled at for things not getting done because I'm the only person doing them all. It got to a point that uh, one of the clinical staff was stressed out one day and took it out on me. And I said, screw you guys. I don't need this stress. I ended up having a mental breakdown. I went home. The next day, I ended up in the hospital with my heart acting up. It was at that point, I was like, you know what? My empath soul cannot handle this anymore. I'm going to become a welder. So, that's what I did. I quit my job in March. and August, I started uh, welding school. I got a job at a trailer manufacturing place in June. And did not go as planned, and they had me with customer service again. They're like, oh, your personality is great. Uh, We want you to help run the service department. Which, my position was great and all. I I loved my job per se. I loved my boss. He was amazing. 
he uh, stood up for me, and if anybody made me cry, he yelled at them. Like, I remember this one day, this guy, he's, like, getting angry, and he points at me, and my boss is like, don't you point at her, and, like, spit is flying, and I'm, like, typing nonchalantly. I'm going, well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I don't know what to do. I'm trapped in this corner. <laughs> it got intense. But... Unfortunately, that job, uh, my the purpose of me working there was to be a welder, and the pay for welding was not the same as the desk job. And I was there for uh, just over three years, and then I decided I needed to move on just because things things weren't working out anymore. And my motto is: if you become miserable, move on. Life is too short to stay somewhere where you are not happy. There are so many jobs out there that you don't need to be miserable. And right now, there's a lot of jobs paying a lot more money. I changed jobs in September. I am now a mechanic for a trailer shop. And uh, I'm also their mechanic, so I work on their semi-trucks and their low-bed trailers. And I absolutely love the job. Uh, has me on my feet all day because sitting at a desk is just killer. Uh, I have a sleeping disorder, hence the caffeinated part of the caffeinated empath. Um, I fall asleep too easy. Uh, that is a story for another time, but um, I can't sit at a desk too long or I actually I, I fall asleep. So I needed a physical job and hence why I decided to go into welding. So this job, I'm active all day. And I get to learn new things every single day. Something new is popping up. So I am never bored. And uh, yeah, that is my work history there. There's actually a lot more work history in there. But that is the gist of how I went from the medical to becoming a welder mechanic. And I can say the last four months, I have had no stress. It has been an amazing feeling because I have been stressed for so long and not really realizing it. I could hold stress at a high level and then it got to a point where that level got way too high. Like most people have a stress level at a certain distance and mine was greater than that and then just by the end of everything that stress level was just I was like a volcano it was just spewing out everywhere <laughs> so I had to ha I had to change and I always tell people you know what you're the only one that can change your situation nobody else is going to change that situation for you you have to be strong enough and courageous enough to decide you need a change you deserve to be happy, and you need to move on. So I want to thank you for jumping on this episode with me. I appreciate you all. I love you all. If you did find this of any value, uh, please comment and leave me a review. Uh, you can also screenshot it and put it in your stories. Make sure you tag me at amanda.louise.langwa. And I will come at you next week. Again, I appreciate you all. I love you all. Have a good night. Peace out.